You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Just broadcasting here from the Vivid Seats studios, y'all. Make sure you use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. So the plan today is to be short, sweet, and grab baggy. Short because I got up late, just lazing around until 2.40 and whatnot. I'm trying to get this draft podcast done, so I gotta, gotta get after it. And grab baggy because it's been, it's it's a long week, so I gotta, I don't want to start talking about the Cowboys yet. It's still, what is it, Wednesday. I really need to start planning this out. Also, hiring an administrative assistant. The job does not pay, and you will be required to help me figure out what to talk about so that I can start the podcast and decide I will not take your advice or listen to what you say. If you're interested in this job, please reach out. I will strongly consider you and then decide I don't want one anyways. i got to be free, man. I can't be tied down. Giving me notes and stuff? Why are you trying to control my life? Worst hire ever. But anyways, as per usual, make sure you get into the Facebook group. Any sort of rating, review, broadcast of, of the podcast... Call up your parents, let them know. Have a sit down with your children, tell them they need to be listening to the podcast. If you have to give them an allowance or possibly ground them for not doing it. I mean, you you can do whatever you want. It's amazing. Just make up whatever rules you want. So I would strongly encourage you to, um, you know, a little, little carrot and stick approach. Make sure you listen to the podcast every day and I will give you 10 bucks a month. If you don't, I'll hit you with a stick. Carrot and stick. Any way you can help, it would be greatly appreciated. Especially if it involves a stick. Why don't we take our first break? We'll circle back to this and uh, start talking about some Packers stuff. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
So the first random thought of the day, and it, it honestly is starting to get pathetic in a way, and maybe I don't need to do this. But again, there is sort of a feel of things are not well. Granted, Sunday with a lot of teams losing was nice, but I just wanted to do a little exercise. And the name of the game is very simple. How flawless and perfect have the last several Super Bowl winners been? Because again, it is currently meltdown mode because we lost a game to the Eagles and we're going up against the Cowboys and Devontae's hurt, which by the way, Devontae's hurt and probably not going to be playing and that's terrible. And so maybe we should just abandon hope. It's an option. But anyways, let's take a look. Obviously, there's varying degrees of what teams had done through four weeks. Some of them went 4-0, some of them not quite so much. But if we start with the 2018 um, Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots, as has been noted in the past, sometimes, not particularly this year, they get off to a bit of a slow start. In 2018, their first four games, they went 2-2. Two and two. They beat the Houston Texans by just seven points. They lost to the Jaguars, who ended up going 5-11 that season, 31-20. They lost 31-20 to a 5-11 team. The very next week, they went on to lose to the um, Detroit Lions, which is a team that went 6-10. They lost that game 26-10. Now, from there, they just went on to absolutely dominate. They beat the Dolphins 38-7. They beat the Colts 38-24. They beat the Chiefs 43-40. They beat the Bears 38-31. These are some very good teams. Basically, they're beating out really good teams by a little. They're stomping out every team that isn't very good. The Buffalo Bills 25-6. Beat the Packers 31-17. That is until they lost to Tennessee. But the bottom line is they started off real slow in the first three weeks, and then just, boom, that's when it clicked. The 2017 Eagles also went four and, or excuse me, three and one in their first four weeks. Their only loss came to the Kansas City Chiefs, but these are the 10-win Kansas City Chiefs, not exactly the Kansas City Chiefs we're all familiar with. This is pre-Patrick Mahomes. This is the Alex Smith Chiefs. So a good, not great team. But after that one loss, they ended up winning nine games and went 13 and three. 2016 Patriots. Also were 3-1, and one, and they were in a similar situation to the Packers in that they won their first three, and then they lost their fourth game, and they lost in a pretty terrible way. It was the 7-9 and nine Buffalo Bills. Obviously not at this moment they weren't 7-9, and nine, but that, I'm just giving you an idea of what the team ended up being overall. It was a team that lost their first two games. They came into that game at 1-2, and two, having only beat the Arizona Cardinals so far. And they beat the New England Patriots, or the Patriots lost, 16 to nothing. So you want to talk about, man, things are not well, there you go. They went on to win their next four. Granted, a lot of these are garbage teams. Had a bye week loss to the Seahawks, and then just won every single game for the rest of the year, all the way on to win the Super Bowl. 49ers, Jets, Rams, Ravens, Broncos, Jets, Dolphins, get into the playoffs, beat the Texans, beat the Steelers, beat the Falcons, Super Bowl champions. So needless to say, they recovered a bit. The Denver Broncos were a bit of a different animal. They actually started the season 7-0. and However, I'm not sure how many great teams they actually played. They did end up playing the Green Bay Packers. That was This is the one I've referenced seven, several times where there was two undefeated teams. There was the 7-0 and Broncos, I think, against the 8-0 Packers. Maybe it was 7-0, I don't know. But the more interesting thing with this is the fact that they started off really hot, just got done beating an undefeated team, 
and then they went three and four in their next seven games. So they kind of fell off. They lost to the Colts and Chiefs, beat the Bears and Patriots and Chargers, and then lost to the Raiders and Steelers, and then just barely beat the Cincinnati Bengals by three in overtime. But, you know, defense wins championships. You get into the playoffs. They were obviously a pretty tough team to beat. But again, not without their ups and downs, and it, it kind of felt like, you know, you're an undefeated team, and then you just go on this stretch where you're losing more games than you're winning, but it all works out. In other words, don't panic. How about the 2014 Patriots? Very first game of the year, they lost to the Miami Dolphins 20-33. to They go on to beat the Vikings and Raiders, and then lose to the Kansas City Chiefs 41-14. to Again, no Pat Mahomes here. This is the 9-7 and Alex Smith Chiefs. But after starting 2-2, two and two, they go on to win their next seven, lose to the Packers, win their next three, lose to the Bills, and then get into the playoffs and just dominate everybody's face. Seattle Seahawks, and maybe this is a trend with defensive teams, I don't know, because this looks a lot more like the Denver Broncos, but they went 4-0, and they did lose week five, then they won their next seven games, so they were 11-1, and but they ended the season 2-2, two and two, losing to the 49ers and the Cardinals. So at the end of the season, now all of a sudden it's panic mode because it seems like maybe they're not quite as good as they were. But they get into the playoffs. Defense reigns supreme. They allowed 15 points to the Saints, 17 points to the 49ers, and 8 points to the Denver Broncos in the beatdown of a lifetime in the Super Bowl, winning 43-8. to The 2012 Baltimore Ravens also went 3-1. and They only lost by one point, but it was to the 4-12 and Philadelphia Eagles. This was a bad team. They were 5-2 and two through Week 7, losing to the Houston Texans 43-13. to This is another team that also ended up, um, and again, a very strong defensive team. Started relatively strong. They were 9-2. and two. Ended the season 10-6. and six. They went on a 1-4 four-game four just absolute slide. So again, defensive team kind of falls apart at the end of the season, but then they get into the playoffs. They hold the Colts to 9 points. Offense is able to pull one out, winning over the Denver Broncos 38-35. to Hold the Patriots to the 13 points, and then the offense again overcomes the 49ers 34-31. to The New York Giants also started the season 3-1 and and just weren't a very good team in general. They got into the playoffs at 9-7. and They actually ended up being 3-2, and won their next three games to go 6-2. and At one point were 7-7, and won their next two games just to get in. And then their de- their defense really kicked on. They beat the Falcons 24 to t- to 2, they beat the Packers 37 to 20, the 49ers 20 to 17, the Patriots 21 to 17. Then finally, the 2010 Green Bay Packers. This is a 10 and 6 team. It's not an elite team. They also started the season 3 and 1 losing to the Chicago Bears 20 to 17. They lost their next two games in overtime, the Redskins and the Dolphins to go to 3 and 3. Were 8 and 6 in week 15 facing very small chances of getting into the playoff after losing to the Patriots um, 27 to 31, but then dominated the Giants, beating the Chicago Bears 10 to 3, and then again the defense sort of I I don't want to say kicked in because they were pretty solid throughout the year. They did have some mishaps. I mean, if if you just look at that year, the defense was really solid for the majority of the year. Right, the the points that they gave up: 27, 20, 26, 16, 23, 24, 0, 7, 3, 20, 16. 7, 31, 17, and 3. Outside of that 31, which, by the way, 27-31 was that score we lost to the Patriots. Very reminiscent of the score we just gave up to the Eagles. There were some games in there that the defense gave up some stuff. 
But for the most part, the defense was pretty dominant, and it was that defense that helped us win a Super Bowl. The playoff run, 16-21, 14-25. So again, the point is, we don't have to panic. There were, what, was it just the Broncos that started 4-0 of all the Super Bowl teams? A lot of 3-1s, a good amount of 2-2s. Two I don't think any of them went 1-3. But also notice the amount of volatility. Some teams started off slow and got hot. Some teams started off hot and then cooled off right as you know, right at that point where you're supposed to be getting hot. They did it the opposite way. They were really good, and then they cooled off. And I absolutely would have bet against them to win the Super Bowl, saying, "No, you know, you're going the wrong way. You got to kind of, you know, heat up as the season goes on, and then get hot right before you get into the playoffs." That's how you win the Super. There were there were at least two teams, possibly three, that cooled off right before the playoffs and then still went on to win a Super Bowl. And then there were some teams that just weren't dominant at any point in the season. The, the Giants and the Packers in particular, particular, a 9-win team and a 10-win team. There's no exact formula, and there was no perfect team. Anyways, I want to switch gears. I got a question from uh, Jacob. Actually, two questions. Number one, is it possible he's bluffing with the Devontae Adams news? We're talking about Matt LaFleur saying that he always plays his cards close to the vest. He never says anything uh, as far as who's playing and who's not. All of a sudden, he comes out, and he's like, yeah, I don't know, it's not looking super good. Betty won't play, don't even worry about it. Is it possible that come Sunday, maybe they throw him up on the questionable or, or doubtful designation, and then it's like, oh, it's a miracle. He was on the Hulk Hogan diet of prayers and vitamins, and look at him, running like a cheetah. I will say that I, I really don't think that's the case. Yay for pop-up ads. Um, I, I mean, I'd be flat-out impressed if that's what they're doing because I just, I respect that. But I, I just don't really think that's the case. In fact, I don't even know, I'm trying to look it up, I don't know that it was even necessarily Matt LaFleur that came out and said it was unlikely. As far as I can tell, Matt LaFleur said he's day-to-day, which was encouraging news, but you've got Adam Schefter coming out saying he talked to somebody, and it sounds like he's unlikely to play. I I, I can't find anywhere that necessarily says Matt LaFleur came out and was like, eh, I don't think he's going to play. Now, it could be possible, and I would really, really respect this, is if Matt LaFleur comes out to the media in public and says he's day-to-day, you know, we're, we're just taking it a day at a time, we're encouraged, and then he goes back behind the scenes and he starts reaching out to some contacts, whoever it is, you know, you got to kind of talk to a guy who talks to a guy who's leaking information to Mr. Schefter over there, and you're like, look, tell him it's not good. That would just be some some fantastic trickery. And I'll tell you what, if he plays, oh, <laughs> again, I don't think he's going to play, but man, would that be fantastic. And at that point, I would absolutely believe that this was this was a planned endeavor. Because teams do this to these guys all the time, right? It's, it's one of the things about being a quote-unquote insider is that sometimes you get good information and it makes you look like a genius. Sometimes you're just a puppet being used by teams that want to trick people and you end up looking like a dummy. But that's just part of the process. I mean, that's that's a really big part of, for example, the draft, is there's a ton of news coming out, and about 75% of it is complete garbage because teams just are constantly throwing out nonsense information. And for that reason, it wouldn't be that surprising. I mean, they know how to do this. They're, they're experts at saying nonsense to the right people who are going to leak it to guys who are going to put it out in the national media, and then you get this, it's whatever. So it's definitely not impossible. He is not out until he's out. Packers don't appear to have even released the Week 5 injury report yet, so it's a good thought. I like that. 
And now it's not only do I want him to play because it's going to massively help us win, but I want him to play because I want to believe that, that Matt LaFleur and, and Brian Gutekunst are just, just pulling some strings, just pulling out all the stops to beat the Dallas Cowboys. That would just be the most glorious thing ever. Um, speaking of Devontae, and I do think I mentioned this already, but I wouldn't be super discouraged. I mean, it, it hurts a lot. Devontae is by far the best receiver on the team. Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. It's already going to be a tough game. Not having Devontae could, you know, all that stuff. But I want to remind you of what I said. Pretty sure I said this. Going back and watching that Eagles game, nearly every single play somebody was open. And on several occasions, there were guys that were open, and and Aaron Rodgers was either just dumping it off to his check down or was just staring down Devontae, which a lot of the time just worked, right? It's a one-on-one matchup. He's looking right at Devontae like, oh, this is good. I mean, I know where I'm going with the ball. It worked on several occasions. Some of those big plays were him just staring down Devontae, knowing that he's going to go in that direction. I think that's where we failed a lot in the goal line situation was he was staring down Devontae, thinking that was going to work. And then by the time he comes off it, you know, the play's already broke down. Need All that aside, the bigger point here is that Jimmy Graham, Marquez, Mercedes, Tanyan, Allison, a lot of these guys were open a lot. I think pass blocking is going to be a really, 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 really important thing. So I would I would almost go so far as to say that more important to this game than Devontae is Brian Balaga. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I genuinely believe Matt LaFleur um, and these wide receivers are going to be able to get open. They're going to be schemed open. They're going to run their routes, prop, whatever. You understand the point. I believe guys can get open against the Dallas Cowboys. This is not an elite group of corners and safeties and whatnot. This is a pretty good group of linebackers. Obviously, hopefully we can run a lot better than we did. Try to set some other stuff up and be able to keep this offense on the field and moving in more than one way. But either way, I don't think that this is a group of guys that are necessarily going to get locked down. Now, I haven't watched other games to see if this is the same result or if it was just a matter of the Eagles being terrible. But remember, a lot of this is zone defense. It's not, you know, these are garbage corners who are playing man-to-man coverage all day long. This is a lot of picking apart zone calling the right plays in the right situations to beat certain zone coverages to get guys in that, that open little pocket there. If you're playing zone, you're playing zone, and a guy's going to be open, he's going to be open. Now, there's it's possibility if you got somebody that's a little bit faster, they can close the gap, whatever. But bottom line is, if you call a certain defense and Matt LaFleur calls a certain play that's going to beat that, de- there's just really nothing you can do other than get to the quarterback in time or errant throw. Other than that, it's just it's going to be a completion. And again, from what I saw from the Eagles was extremely encouraging. Uh, maybe if I have time, I'll go back and try to watch some of the other games. Obviously, against the Bears and the, the Vikings, it wasn't going to be quite as good, especially the Bears. But just see if there's anything similar. And, and I'll take it even a step further. It is possible that this is beneficial for the Packers. I'm not saying that I'm going to choose this over, you know, Devontae playing. But we have seen on several occasions when a quarterback gets too locked up in one wide receiver, he's not going through his progressions properly, it causes a lot of problems. If Aaron Rodgers starts going through his progressions properly instead of looking at Devontae, and I'm not saying he does this every play because he doesn't, but maybe this can help him if it's just a basically a field full of guys that are kind of on an even playing field. I mean, he really likes Jimmy Graham, but he also really likes Geronimo Allison. Not exactly sure MVS and him are on quite the same page, but MVS gets open a good amount. If Kumaro goes out there, we know he likes Kumaro, but he doesn't like any of these guys as much as he likes Devontae. So you put them all out there, and it's kind of, again, an even playing field. 
So make no mistake, Devontae not playing is a really bad thing. I'm just saying that there's reason to be encouraged and not feel like this is the end of the world and we can't win. But anywho's, why don't we take our second break? We'll come back with some more randomness and uh, we'll be done. So in some minor Packer news, uh, the Green Bay Packers apparently signed linebacker B.J. Bellow to the practice squad and released Brady Sheldon. I'm not going to make the mistake of saying that this doesn't mean anything because I've said that several times. And as we've seen, quite a few people who have been picked up throughout the season have actually contributed and been decent players, guys like Danny Vitale and whatnot. Speaking of, there's another guy that we could possibly see a lot more of that could contribute that we're not really thinking of. That said, I wouldn't exactly expect very much. Um, Undrafted free agent 2017 by the Cleveland Browns. Played 74 snaps for him. Terrible in coverage, terrible as a pass rusher. Mediocre run defender, which I think is kind of what they're aiming for. Not mediocre and terrible, but somebody who's just a run defender because they really need a lot of help in that area. Finally, let's just turn to the Facebook group and we'll let you guys close it out. If you'd like to get involved in the Facebook group, there is a link in the description. Nico had some thoughts on looking at things from a positive perspective against the Eagles. Essentially, what he was saying is that there's been a lot of talk about Aaron Rodgers maybe not being what he was, and seeing Aaron Rodgers throw for over 400 yards in this game is an encouraging sign that he still got it and maybe kind of awoken something in him. There was a lot of negative comments in here about, yeah, but it could have been better, and that's absolutely true. But a lot of things are always going to could have been better. Um, I think one of the things to kind of piggyback off of that is that all we're really trying to do is is build. Right? You see some signs of encouragement, and then you build on that. Right? You look at how good the defense was. A lot of that is still true. We got the makings of, at the very least, a pretty good secondary and a pretty good pass rush. And I completely forgot there was a second part to that question, what happened to Zedarius and Preston. Um, I believe what happened is that we were getting gashed so bad on the ground that a lot of these guys were staying home. Because every time they tried to get after the quarterback, we got absolutely obliterated on the ground. And so you weren't seeing these guys getting upfield very much. And even if you did, you would see Zadarius get upfield and Preston kind of hang back. I think that's one of the negatives of playing this, uh, you know, dime defense is that you put so many cornerbacks out there. When you're playing like the Eagles played a lot of the time and in a 4-3 defense, and you get your two guys to just run straight up the field, you've got three linebackers to help fill gaps in space. If you've just got four guys up front and you got one linebacker and you send two guys up the field, in other words, you're trying to run around the tackles, think about how much space that leaves. You've basically got two linemen and then a linebacker behind them and you've got five offensive linemen. It's not a gap. It, it's, just, it's just a bunch of space. So that's one of the negatives of playing that style of defense. It's going to help so that teams can't pass quite as easily, but it's going to hurt in several ways. But anyways, what we're trying to build off of is, okay, we've got this defense and it's really impressive, and then it kind of got exposed as as having a weakness, and now it's a matter of coming back and fixing it, right? So you play well, a team figures out how to beat you, you go re-evaluate it, you come back and you find a solution. Here's how we're going to counter that. All right, well, here's how we're going to counter that, and here's how we're going to counter that, and here's how we're going to counter your counter, and counter your counters, counter, 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 counter. And by the end of the season, if you've continually found ways to solidify and, and, and build on this, you can't beat us this way, this way, this way, this way. Our quarterback's gotten better. Our wide, we've you figured out how to utilize our wide receivers to beat this and that. The idea is by the time you get to the end of the season, you've got a lot of tools and a lot of weapons. We're going to continually see signs of progress and continually see signs of teams coming out and saying, okay, we know how to beat you. It's just a matter of are we going to be able to rebound from it? Is Mike Pettin going to be able to come back and say, okay, here's how we're going to adjust to make sure that that doesn't happen again? 
And again, if we look back at the PFF grades, a lot of it was bad because a lot of guys had a lot of bad days at the same time. Everybody has bad days. Every single player on the planet has days that aren't quite as good as other days, and in those days, you need other players to step up. The defense had a bad day as a whole, with the exception of Kevin King, who again was was probably the worst run defender and tackler on the team in that game, so he did technically have a bad day. He was just basically fantastic in the one area that everybody cares about. But when you've got Kenny Clark just getting annihilated, I mean, he's one of the guys that almost never has bad days. He had a bad day. Everybody was having a bad So that is to say that, yeah, the Packers' defense isn't good, but to think that that's a, a true picture of what the defense is is nonsense. There is reason to believe that, although I'm sure Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a good day, and I'd be stunned if we keep him to under 100 yards, there's no reason to believe that this is going to be a 250-yard explosion on the ground where the greatest running back of all time, which, by the way, I still think he's overrated. It's the offensive line. It's the offensive line. It's the offensive line. Just so you know, it's the offensive line. Is Ezekiel Elliott a pretty good running back? Yes, he is. It's the offensive line. If you want to know how much of an impact the offensive line can have, look at Aaron Jones the last two years compared to this year. Look at Ezekiel Elliott's production when he doesn't have his offensive line, or the team in general when when guys are hurt. If you're curious about this, and again, if you don't like PFF, don't worry about it, but currently Ezekiel Elliott is ranked as the 21st best runner, not overall running back, which includes receiving, because that would just absolutely plummet his grade, because he's got a bunch of fumbles and everything else. His overall grade is actually lower. Just his running grade, 21st overall. Last year, he was ranked 43rd overall. Again, just his running grade. Doesn't include the fact that he had a really bad um, fumbling grade and whatnot. 2017, he was ranked 20th. Aaron Jones was ranked 5th, by the way, if you were curious. Because Aaron Jones is a great runner, despite the fact that he doesn't have a very good run-blocking offensive line, he creates for himself. Ezekiel Elliott does not. He runs through massive holes that is created for him with the best offensive line in football. Now, that's not super comforting. I just, I'm tired of hearing everyone talk about, oh, Ezekiel, I'm so scared of Ezekiel. I'm not scared of Ezekiel Elliott. I'm scared of their offensive line. It's no different than the Eagles. Why did the, why did the Eagles running backs gash us for so much? Uh, it's not that the Eagles running backs are bad. But it's the fact that they ran through massive holes because their offensive line is fantastic. We didn't get beat by running backs. We got beat by an offensive line. And if it happens in Dallas, it's going to happen because of the offensive line. just want to make that very clear right now. I'd also like to point out that one thing that you don't want to have happen, and it, the, the Cowboys have this with the Packers, but one thing you don't want to have happen is for someone to lay out a roadmap of how to beat you. Again, the Packers have that. The defense didn't play very well. There was no run game. There's a there's a bit of a roadmap. However, Ezekiel Elliott ran for 1.9 yards against the New Orleans Saints. The Packers aren't the New Orleans Saints, but still, 1.9 yards. Bit of a roadmap there. It's not impossible. Another question in the group from Jose. Does anyone know what's going on with Dexter Williams? Is he injured or just not caught up with the scheme yet? So I'm, I'm kind of conflicted on this because on one hand, I'm trying to convince everybody that there's not a problem with Aaron Jones there's a problem with the run blocking and the scheme in general and people just not being in sync. And I've also kind of gone on to say that I think Dexter's struggling a little bit. He's not really ready. So it it seems weird for me to kind of come out and say this, but I wouldn't mind Dexter getting a chance. The biggest reason that I say that is because with things not really working, having a guy like Dexter that's basically going to do what Jamal did, which is run really fast and more or less try to stay toward the middle, not that he can't go to the outside, but I was kind of blown away with how fast he is. And with, with the run blocking not going really well, and also with maybe trying to preserve Aaron Jones, 
especially if Jamal doesn't play. This could be a good opportunity for, for Dexter Williams to not only get a chance, but if we really simplify it for him and try to do a little bit more inside, more just grab the ball and run really fast, we, I don't know. He, he might have an opportunity. Now, he's not as big and strong as Jamal, so just smashing him up the middle isn't going to be as successful. But I just feel like if we can get him a gap or a little bit of a crease or just anything, he's got some, some explosive ability. The only negative thing about that is everyone's going to be screaming for Dexter over Aaron Jones, which is going to be the wrong take. But whatever, you know, Dexter's sort of that unscouted look. We haven't really had a chance to see him yet. And it's for a reason. I mean, if he was up to up to par and ready to go, um, he'd be going. However, with Jamal down, I'm sure he's been getting a lot, a lot of reps. And so, again, I'm sure we'll get a chance to see him this week. That is unless Jamal makes a miraculous comeback and, and actually plays, in which case scratch this. But I just, you know, given the severity of, of the hit at the time, I'm assuming he's not going to play. I don't know. Either way, um, no, I don't think he's hurt. He's just been inactive, and there's a good chance that we get to see him for the first time. And really, my, my biggest thing for him, considering our goal is to just try to get positive yards at this point, the biggest thing is really just hold on to the ball. We've seen it before with young guys coming in, and we're real excited about them, and they come in and just fumble the ball. Just please hold on to it. Especially recently, as we've seen with teams that are just gunning for that ball. That that Chiefs-Lions game was ridiculous. And all around the NFL, you got a lot of teams that are just punching that ball, and they've had a lot of success doing it. And especially if you got a young guy in there, I'm sure the Cowboys defensive coordinator is going to be coming out saying, you know, you got to punch that thing out of there. I think I'm going to end it with Dustin because this is actually a very, very good point. Uh, he has a theory. 2018, Rodgers missed checkdowns because he expected guys to be open downfield. 2019, Rodgers is relying more on checkdowns because he isn't 100% efficient in the system yet. He says, why I think this is a positive, it gets Rodgers back in the habit of checkdowns again, and if guys are getting open, then I think Rodgers is going to start finding them uh, more as time goes on. Uh, What are your thoughts? I I 100% agree with that. I actually had brought that up to a friend of mine about the the checkdowns and guys getting open. That was essentially his thought as well, as far as, you know, he's he's just not used to the system, and I think that's the case. You know, there are a lot of situations where you kind of have to anticipate guys getting open, which is... You know, really, un- a really strong understanding of the system and of the routes, and understanding the the defensive play coverages at the same time. And there's just a lot to process. I mean, for every quarterback, there's a lot to process. But again, this is a new scheme, and the fact that he's wearing even a, a, a wristband should kind of tell us a lot. Granted, a lot of that has to do with just speed and getting things in. But you know, it's it's not as proficient as it can be, and I, I really do think that's a, a great point. And I want to highlight what he also said. The first part of why it's positive, it gets him in the habit of checkdowns. He does need to be doing that, and he is. It, it shows that he's receptive. He's not stubborn. He's not just going to sit back there and take a sack when there's a guy that's open. I was even laughing about it when I was talking about it the other day, saying I can't really get get on him about throwing to checkdowns when there's a guy open down the field because I've been screaming at him for a year to please just hit the checkdown. But yeah, I mean, you know, he he's going back and seeing the same stuff we're seeing about how guys are coming open. And what it means is that, number one, again, guys are getting open. Number two, Matt LaFleur is doing his job in scheming guys open, calling great plays. It's really just a matter of Aaron Rodgers needs to get into the groove of this and start anticipating guys coming open. He needs to understand his progressions, and he needs to understand there are times that, you know, he's looking at a guy that's clearly about to come open, and then he looks off of him. It's like, man, just give him a one more second. He's just about to come open, and you can tell by their coverage. I mean, I, I don't know until after the fact, right, what route he's going to run and seeing him come open. But you could see how, I guess I should say, Aaron Rodgers could have possibly anticipated this a little bit better. Right? You watch it, you see a guy open, you kind of rewind it, and you can see as he's looking at him, he's covered, and then he looks off of him. But he should know, based on what the defense is showing as far as coverage and knowing what that route is about to be, he's about to come wide open. 
But again, he maybe it's because he panics and he wants to get to his next progression because for all he knows, that's the thing. We can see from the All-22 who's open and who's not. And you see one guy open and a bunch of guys not covered, and he looks at the covered guy and it's like, what are you doing? Well, for all he knows, to his left is a guy that's wide open screaming down the field. He wants to be able to look over and see if he got open, and he turns out he's not. And so now at this point, you know, by the time you get to your third read, you're, you, you kind of got to book it. But again, he's going back and seeing all of this stuff. He's looking at the film. He's going through it with Matt LaFleur. We know he's a very intelligent guy. And there is reason to be encouraged. And I, I you know, a thousand times I've said it. When you look at the Tennessee Titans and how terrible they were at running the ball compared to how great they were at running the ball at the end of the year, doesn't mean it has to happen. But you look at the success of guys like Kyle Shanahan and running the football, and you look at the success that they have in uh, in L.A. with the Rams, essentially it, it doesn't matter. And, and really it, it flies in the face of, of the whole we should get Jonathan Taylor because you've seen in both situations with the 49ers and the Rams when their stud running back goes down, even though the 49ers don't exactly have a stud, but they went out and got Jarek McKinnon and whatnot who's been hurt pretty much since they got him. But it, it, bottom line, it doesn't matter who they throw in. They're successful. Guys come in and they, they just – they run really well so you know these are things that need to develop and take time it is possible that these things don't get fixed maybe we just don't have the personnel on the offensive line to make it happen maybe they just don't have it in them I don't know but there's a lot of encouraging things to there's a lot of room to grow right guys not getting open is a problem guys getting open and Aaron Rodgers isn't seeing them yet is a problem but it's one that can be fixed so anyways I'm going to end it there I want to try to squeeze in this draft podcast real quick you folks have yourselves a fantastic time. If you wouldn't mind doing me a favor, Overtime NFL Draft Edition is the name of that podcast. If you're interested in the draft, go check it out. At this particular point in time, it's mostly just mocks. I have not done a Packers mock yet, but I've done several seven rounds. And uh, by today, there should be a brand new four, uh, first round mock draft. So again, if you're interested, give it a listen. Subscribe to the show. And if you like it, if you wouldn't mind leaving an iTunes review over there as well, it would help me out a lot. I'm trying to ramp that one up to be... Um, even moderately as successful as this Packers podcast has been, and I thank you guys for allowing it to be that. Anyways, enjoy your, what is it, Wednesday? Enjoy your Wednesday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.